Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome back to Good Guys Talk Back. Hey, it's episode 257. I am Nick Morowski. This is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. We do it weekly Sunday nights live on our YouTube channel. Appreciate it if you subscribe. Pass it along to other Sox fans in your life. The audio is absolutely everywhere. Uh, hey, Sox Fest is coming back. We're going to get to that. Everybody is feeling the healthiest they've ever been in their lives. Um uh, some lofty goals for uh, Yohan Moncada. Uh, boy, we got a new voice of the White Sox. So much stuff to get to uh, with me as always. Good friend, diehard Sox fan, Pat Hester. Hello, sir. Hey, buddy. And, and it, today we have uh, two ex-right fielders celebrating birthdays, wondering yes. if they'd like to come back. Could Mags <laughs> play right field? Could Jermaine Dye come back and play right field? It would be fantastic. If maybe you sign them both, you could split time between them. That would be fantastic. They'd be probably better than anything that we currently have or maybe will have uh, on, on opening day. Uh, that is a great point. It is interesting. They're, they're both celebrating a birthday. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did it go Maglio? It went Maglio then Jermaine Die, right? Uh, Maglio, I believe so. I mean, Detroit. Yep. And we were wondering that off. That was also the off season, of course, that Carlos Lee was traded. Uh, Scott Pitsegnik comes in. We're like, where, where's the power going to come from? Uh, what kind of team? You know, they're trying to get fast, which, okay, this sounds very familiar with what's going on here uh, in this offseason, but no comparison to Jermaine Dye. Wow. Uh, would you say, like, extremely underrated? Um, oh. I, not, maybe not by Sox fans, but maybe by Sox fans because they, they forget about – him and lost in the shuffle of, you know, Canerco, Burley, Pruszynski, uh, especially with that 05 team. But then in general, I mean, if we're talking ring of honor, which I hopefully they do one day, Jermaine dies in there, maybe, maybe even first class. Uh, unbelievable uh, tenure with the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you'd have to just because, you know, how many uh, MVPs of the World Series do we have uh, still alive? <laughs> so so that would probably put him in just because. But, you know, Jermaine Dye, when, when he was brought over to the White Sox, if you remember, he had that very gruesome injury, uh, foul ball off his, I believe his shin shattered his, uh, I don't know, whatever bones was in his leg. And and there was talks of he may never come back and, and play again, if I recall. And and the speed was never there for them because Jermaine Dye was close to a pretty five tool player, you know, when, when he was healthy in his, in his young career. And he was never, you know, the speedster or it was never the guy that was going to steal a lot of bases for you when he came over to the White Sox. But he played a hell of a right field, in my opinion, in terms of what he could do and covering the ground that he did. Smart player. Uh, got good jumps on the ball and, and he had a lot of power, you know, for us. And, and he was exactly what we needed and probably uh, not rated highly enough, Nick, just because he wasn't very flashy. He was quiet. He just went out and did his job and you could rely on him. He was a guy he could do, you know, if you needed him to hit it to the right side and move a runner over, he could do that. If you needed him to, you know, hit it out of the ballpark. He could do that for you as well. And if you get a hit, if you needed him to hit a little uh, dribble or single up the middle to drive in the only run in uh, Game Four of a World Series, he could do that for you as well. 
Yeah, he, you know, I tell you what, man, he was a guy that would come up to bat. And I, I don't, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, you know, as a fan where there'll be certain players and, and maybe Frank Thomas is in there with probably everybody on their list of, you didn't have a worry. Like he's going to do something good. I, I just have a feeling, you know, like there's those guys that come up in these different situations, whether it's, Hey, we just need to get a rally going or we got ducks on and we need to get, you know, some of that in late in the game. You just had a feeling somehow everything's in good hands with Jermaine Dye when he's up to bat and things ended way too soon. He could have kept playing. Uh, and boy, we have not been able to figure out that right field position. Uh, again, it's, it's hilarious that, it, that he was the last consistent right fielder that we've had in this town. Well, not in this town, in this side of the town. And, uh, and we'll, we think of him glowingly, and it is too bad that his career didn't last a little bit longer with the Chicago White Sox. So happy birthday to him. Happy birthday to Maglio Ordonez. And, and Mags, you know, went on to have a really good career still with Detroit afterwards. He went to a World Series with the Tigers. And you think about him, and boy, oh, boy, the, the future was so bright for Maglio Ordonez. And I don't think the injury really did uh, slow him down, but you can't really bring a guy back, you know, like that if, if you're unsure of his health. So, uh, but again, it worked out just fine for the White Sox, but I would have loved to have seen uh, Maglio Ordonez continue his career on the South side. Not that Jerry ever would have paid him, but, um, but he was, he was a rising star for that team. Yeah. I, how about those days, uh, him coming up and uh, boy, we had something there. Uh, one of the first bobblehead, you know, when they started doing the, the giveaways, the, uh, the stadium giveaways. He might've been in the first class that first year they gave him away, 2001, 2002, something like that. Uh, there was a, a home Maglio Ordonez and an away Maglio Ordonez in the uh, gray road Jersey. Um, so a little, little something that I should have no knowledge about as a 43 year old, <laughs> but I do. Uh, it's that I pass that along to everybody. If you care. Got it. Um, Noted. Yeah. So as we record here on January 28th, we are exactly two months away, uh, not from, you know, uh, maybe some spring training action or something, from opening day. We are two months away from opening day. And then, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what that means. Uh, did you consume a little bit of football, though, today on, on Championship Sunday, Pat? Well, a little. I mean, it's a, it's a busy uh, it's a busy time here. You know, we have travel baseball, Nick, and yeah, and you know sure. we run a tight ship. We don't take uh, we don't take days off on Sundays. We have practice. So I I, I watched the second half of the uh, second game today and the first half of the first game. Um, and again, both entertaining for what I saw because I saw the halves that were the most exciting halves of the game uh, on uh, for both of them. But um. You know, it, it just we're winding down here to the NFL season. It, it is time to, to turn our heads towards towards baseball in spring. And it's a good feeling, right? You know, it's it's kind of like for all that we've talked about uh, for a lot of months, ever since the season ended, probably even before the season ended, Nick, about how down we are on this team. Uh, there is something to still get excited about, I think, for both of us uh, as baseball fans and, and White Sox fans in particular about the start of a new season because you and I can, will probably at some point talk ourselves into 
a little bit of positive positivity and what ifs and and maybe this the ball the ball will just continue to bounce our way all season and we'll we'll catch a stroke of luck and everybody will have career years and and maybe the back of the baseball card stats that we've been waiting for for some guys will return uh this year and i don't know i i can't say that uh for certain nick but you know hope springs eternal uh i'm excited to you know get your reports on a daily basis when you're out in Arizona and for spring training and, and to break it all down for me. And, you know, it, it is, it is fun. And there has been some positive things that have happened in the past couple of days. They did have the season ticket holder event, which I you know from what I saw on Facebook seemed like it was a nice event for the season ticket holder folks. Lots of chatter about the new stadium, you know, and, and, and where that's going and the Dylan C's discussions continue to, to ramp amp up now with the, the Mariners in the mix. I don't know if that's positive or not, but if you're getting a good haul from the Mariners, it is a positive. So though we've been kind of in the doldrums of some negativity, I mean, I guess there's been some positive things that have happened with the, with the ball club and the optics of the ball club over the past week. Yeah. I, I want to touch on uh, some of those things uh, and, and maybe go into depth uh, uh, on the C stuff, because it, it's a, I think it's a weekly talking point because there's new little nuggets that that pop up here and there that I think need to be addressed uh so yeah there was this uh you know little event for season ticket holders only all of a sudden and you know I went on a rant wrote an article for uh future socks and that's great you're going to have something for the season ticket holders that wonder that's wonderful how about something for all fans of all ages grow this grow this a little bit you know get your product out there even though maybe it's not the greatest product right now but but try to get the young fans get get all fans from everywhere you know folks that maybe uh, aren't able to see the socks on a regular basis they're fans from all over the country they get an opportunity to come in for the weekend rub shoulders with like-minded people and celebrate the team that they love we haven't had a Sox Fest for several years. Every other team has been able to figure it out. Surprise, surprise. Uh, but it was announced, uh, I think on Friday, just a few days ago, Sox Fest returning uh, in 2025. Am I responsible for it? Probably uh, to a certain degree. Um, I think, I think I'm, I'm somewhat responsible. It's back. You're welcome. Well, I'm Get ready to spend I, all humble. your money. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> um, so it, it's coming back on uh, what would be, you know, the 20th anniversary season of the 2005 team. And and I and I saw a lot of stuff on social media from some folks that I don't know if they were they were unhappy with that. And, oh, we're just going to, you know, celebrate this 05 team all over again. And Look, hey, I, I want there to be a celebration of some acquisitions that will fill holes that will advance this team. Okay, I, I would like to celebrate uh, us moving in the right direction uh, as a current organization. But it's a fan festival, and when you don't win a lot, okay, and, and you, you don't have you don't have very many World Series trophies in that case, and you still got a collection of guys that are pretty beloved. I have no problem celebrating a 20th anniversary with Canerico and Burley and Rowan and, you know, whoever else decides to show up. I hope there's all of them, including uh, the skipper and everybody else that was involved in that managerial set. I got no problem with that. You know, I mean, it's not their fault. It's not the 05 team's fault that this organization hasn't been able to figure it out since, you know, I'm not going to hold them to fault. If they want to celebrate it, I'll be there celebrating with it. 
uh, next year at Saks Fest. Yeah, and I and I'm happy that it's coming back. And I know you were excited, and and uh, I think you did have everything to do with it. So you should again touch them all, and uh, tip yeah. your cap to the crowd, and and you know accept all the praise that you're going to get for it, Nick. So <laughs> it, it's great to you're, you're right on on all those accounts because had they not, Nick. And, and it was the 20th anniversary. Could you imagine the venom that would have come out from this fan base yeah. that yeah. feels like it every other day it's getting kicked in the nuts? I mean, I couldn't imagine it if they, they foregoed it another year uh, when you don't have, you can't get that opportunity back to do a 20th. Oh, we could, we'll do a 21st anniversary, I guess. You can't do that. So uh, good on the White Sox for finally figuring that out and listening to their fans because I, I think there was, you know, they could probably say, well, we don't, we don't pay attention to maybe, you know, social media and what are they, I'm sure that they do. And I'm glad that their fans were heard uh, enough to, to come back and do this. So that's, that's at least a positive thing. So, and you could also look at it this way too, Nick, you know, depending on, you know, where gets feels like they are in this rebuild um, next year could be a more exciting year. I, I'm not saying in terms of, uh, money that will be spent cause that, that will never happen, but it could be a more exciting year depending on what they get back in, in a cease trade on young players. And, and it could be the, you know, Montgomery coming out, uh, party next year in 2025 and really have an opportunity to pump his tires up, uh, a little bit at Sox fest. And who knows, you know, it could be talking about, you know, young prospects and a new look White Sox team and and going in a different direction. And and I don't know if that means that they'll go from last place to third place in a year or if that just, you know, what that will ultimately mean. But I, I think the look of the team, boy, I hope so, would be a little bit more positive in terms of, you know, what we're expecting and, you know, in terms of wins and losses you know, in 2025 versus 2024. So it's a good year to kind of bring it back. It all makes sense. You know, everything's out there with the 20 year anniversary and, you know, this team hopefully turning a little bit of a corner. I wouldn't say they're going to be, you know, right back in the thick of things next year, but I I would hope they'll be turned. The ship will be turning in the right direction by then. Yeah. Um, I, I hope absolutely. Uh, boy, if it's not, yikes. Uh, thank you so much for, for the folks joining us uh, live in the comments. Hello to uh, Howard, Sydney, uh, Peyton. We do this uh, again on Sunday nights on the on our YouTube uh, channel. Subscribe and and, and join us. Uh, so yeah, Bob Nightingale, I think had some some new stuff on Dylan Cease, uh, the Seattle Mariners entering in this. Uh, possibly Yankees, Orioles type of race for uh, the services of our ace, Dylan Cease, which uh, our fearless leader, Pedro Grafol, has already given the nod to for opening day, of course, if, if he is going to be uh, in a White Sox uniform. Uh, I, I look at it as, and again, I'm not somebody that's following these prospects very closely. There's some excellent people, uh, you know, at Future Sox, uh, Ian Eskridge and James Fox and Danny Miller and, and others that are doing this and they've done it so well for so many years, you know, I'll tip my, you know, just toe in the water a little bit. Um, you know, but look, I've been there, done that. I I can't get too caught up on prospects. Once again, you know, wake me up when they're at 35th and shields. Uh, so I, I, whatever gets is trying to get gets is trying to get. And if he's leveraging one team against another, 
And right now it might be one team against just the calendar. You know, mm. like like we're two months away. Pitchers and catchers are reporting in like two weeks, somewhere around Valentine's Day. Is a team that wants Dylan Cease willing to let him go into camp and everything in a White Sox uniform, let Dylan Cease get away from them, pitch in meaningful games, and know that this is probably not going to get done until the trade deadline where other teams might start like, hey, we're kind of in it. Maybe we should be in the Dylan Cease race. Then you got, then you're swatting all different kinds of teams off. So I look at it as it, it might be more against the calendar. I think the, the Orioles probably have the most amount of prospects with the teams that are mentioned, but Seattle's got kind of a nutso uh, owner that's just like a Dan Campbell uh, from, from the Lions, which I love. I love Dan Campbell, even though he blew a 17 point lead, it wasn't his fault passes were dropped and they couldn't convert sure he went for it on fourth but you know me pat i'd be doing that uh i love I that I, I, I didn't really care if the lions won or lost i just love you know be, be aggressive anyway seattle's got somebody running the show over there that they're not afraid to make these types of trades so with seattle now in it I, maybe maybe this heats up baltimore a little bit well, it, it'll be interesting, Nick, because I don't know what the motivation of of any of the teams would be to get it done now. Like, like what really is there? Uh, what what is what is going to make them move right now? I mean, I don't know what benefits them by making the decision or or trying to push for this now. Or really making their best offer. I I, I don't know. I, I could be missing something, but I don't think that there's a sense of urgency that they have to make this move before the season starts because it might make a little more sense if I, if I'm that team to say, you know, I'm the Orioles, right? I, I won that division last year. If memory serves, right. The Orioles won the East. Um, you know, we're talented enough to go out there and win it again. Uh, if, if I'm the is Orioles, that your goal? I, just to win the division, you know, no, but I'm just saying if I'm the Orioles, I, I would imagine I'm going to be in the race yeah, up until the trade deadline. And then I'll kind of, survey the, the landscape and if i need to make a move to to either get uh, you know get in the playoffs or, or whatever it is then i make that move then i don't really know what it benefits them to make the move now you know i, I mean I, to me i don't know but i do think it's interesting two teams in the same division vying for services because i think that is to me as as the white Sox makes me get a little bit more giddy if i have two teams in the same division fighting over my player then then I can play everybody against each other, right? And and that's that's a great place to be. So again, I think that's a great scenario. When you've got Yankees and Orioles both both wanting the same guy, I think that's that's a good thing. So um, you know, if I'm the Yankees, maybe I am a little more motivated to get that guy now because uh, you know, I haven't really been in the conversation in a while. And and I'd I'd like to plot ahead of of the Orioles the best if, if I can. Right. I'd, I'd like to pull ahead and be in a comfortable position and, and take that you know early lead in the in the in the division early on in the year. So maybe that would motivate them. I don't know. It, it's interesting. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all, all un, unfolds. But I don't really know. I don't know really where the uh, the people are going to be standing when the music stops. Yeah. Uh, the, the legendary Bruce uh, Levine said this past weekend that uh, he feels a zero percent chance that Dylan Cease will start the season with the White Sox. Wow. So, Bruce. I, 
Yeah, how about it? Um, that's a that's quite a, a prediction to make and put it at zero percent chance. I mean, that's that's pretty strong. And I just feel like there's teams connected. that are like I I don't want Dylan Cease to start with anybody else. You know, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna make this happen. Um, we're gonna start the season and have Dylan Cease for the entire season. I don't want any other team jumping in the race to come trade deadline, but. To your point, yeah, I, I can see it too. What's the motivation? The only motivation is some team like maybe Seattle that says, screw it. I'm just going to do it now. I want this guy, and I'm going to make an offer that they just cannot refuse right now because that is who I want. I want it. I'm not playing games. There are no more games being played. Now, Chris Getz might just say, eh, well, we got time. We we can play games. So, yeah. I, I again, I – this is the first I've heard of the Seattle Mariners uh, involved. So, yeah, it, as the world turns uh, with Dylan Cease uh, and our Southsiders. Uh, I, I mean, there's been – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I, I was going to talk play-by-play, play, but if you had something more on uh, – No, I, I've just uh, – I mean, I don't know – I, I just don't know where this is going to go. I just feel like we've been talking about it for so many weeks now, and it, it just, you know, new rumors here. It seems like it dies off. It comes back. I I just really can't. I mean, I don't know. I'm not connected like Bruce Levine is, but I, I don't know how you can put a 0% chance that he's not on this ball club on, on opening day. But anyway, move on. Go ahead. Well, do you as a fan, from, from your fan perspective, have you have you changed at all? Have you taken a different stance? Do you want to see Cease start the year uh, with the Sox and and maybe something better comes along uh, at the trade deadline, or do you want to just kind of move on I, from that? I, I have the fear of I have the fear of him getting hurt. I really do. I mean, he we've talked a lot of, about it. He has logged a lot of you know it, he's been a a guy that's going to log innings for you, right? And he's going to get out there and he's going to go out there. Every fifth day, he, he hasn't to this point been an injury guy. And, you know, with our team, it just maybe it's, you know, uh, scar tissue and then and the wounds of the past of guys just going down left and right. They think, wow, I'd, I'd hate to start the season with this guy and and let him uh, and there's an, an opportunity for him to lose value our biggest chip to lose value before, you know, we can actually cash it in. So I, I would I would at this point. As I sit here on January twenty eighth, and breathe, yeah. As I would like to see him move before the season starts. Okay, there you go. I, I'm with that camp as well. Uh, I, I really am. And uh, again, in terms of prospects, I, I don't believe Seattle's farm system is talked about in the best in baseball. Some might call it an underrated uh, farm system. Uh, there's some names I've heard, you know, there, uh, you know, there's a, you got to get some pitching, pitching, maybe outfield uh, guy, guy by the name of Miller, you know, again, I, I'm just starting to poke around a little bit, um, but it's going to be more than warm bodies because the Sox want some top prospects and, you know, people are saying the Sox want the sun and the moon and everything else, which I think they're entitled to, but, I mean, Dylan Cease is very, very good. He's not great. The market has been very thin this offseason, and I think there are some teams that are going to get desperate very soon, Pat, uh, as uh, you know, the, the calendar flips to pitchers and catchers, what, February 15th, 16th, something like that. 
<laughs> I like uh, Peyton's comment. Can the moon come and play right field? And and Peyton's asking, you know, you know, who would we want to see from the Seattle system? You're you're not going to get that from a guy like me. I have no idea what they have in their system. I, you'd you'd have to, you know, w- once the trade is actually made and it's to Seattle, I'm going to have to wait and see what guys that are educated and know, you know, first of all, what we get, when, how far they are away from, you know being on a big league club, whether it's this, this club or another club. And you never know what you're going to get in prospects. It, it is what it is. You could yeah. tell me this guy is a, you know, the, the, the worst prospect in, in somebody's system and they come and flourish somehow. And, or this is a, t- a can't miss prospect and, and they could be a bust. So I, I have no idea who they might get um, or how many players are looking for, or, you know, Nick, if they're looking for major leaguers for, for Dylan C's, I don't even know yeah. if that's an opportunity because if you remember, you know, they were talking about addressing right field and second base via the trade possibly. So, you know, I, I don't know what that might bring as well. That, that, that's been happening for a while. Um, you know, I, I put a little graphic together and threw it out there almost mimicking those shirts that were, were so hot, uh, you know, six years ago or something, uh, Aloy and Cease and Kopech and Robert and, and on and on, maybe Birdie's name was in there and Madrigal. And wow, did we have something? And we were the talk of the town. Uh, and right now, this offseason, uh, DeYoung, Lopez, Fuddy, Maldonado, and Beria, you know, for those that want gets to cook, I mean, he's been cooking. I, I just don't know if anything's really appetizing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's doing, he's doing basic stuff. You know, it, I think a lot of Sox fans, if you talk to him and, you, and you're actually going to have a good conversation and not just like, uh, you know, socks suck. Okay. I know. No, no, no. You're going to actually going to get, you know, a little bit of an in-depth defense should be better, right? Defense should be better with this team. Uh, hopefully, you know, a little quicker, but those are hope. You know, I, I don't know. Again, it's, it's, are these guys going to buy into whatever system Grafol and gets and everybody else can put in place? Uh, are the new folks, did they get rid of the folks that weren't listening to Pedro Grafol? You know, does, does now yeah. Pedro Grafol have control? It can be the leader he's supposed to be. I, you know, a lot of this stuff, I can't even believe we're talking about it. Uh, but this guy's still in charge. He's still our manager. And for his sake, I hope he gets the people that he can control and that will buy into what he's trying to do. And, and there's still some time. There's still some time. But, but I feel like with two months left, uh, we're, we're running out of it. Well, uh, if, you're, if we're yeah. talking about letting Getz cook, what kind of meal would be equivalent to what he's been cooking? I what wrote down this is safe. I wrote down dino nuggets and craft mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. Dino nuggets are huge you know in my house, Nick. I, I, I you gotta what? love a good dino nugget. If you of do course. them in the oven, they're fantastic. Of course. Uh, uh, and nothing great... is better than a good box of craft mac and cheese. I could eat a whole box. Sure, I know. I don't want to. I feel very guilty afterwards. <laughs> but uh that's what yeah. and it's still cooking. It's still cooking, but well, that's that's a, that's a wonderful question, Pat. Um, I think uh when it comes to what type of meal gets is cooked it's got to be safe it's got to be easy to do mm-hmm. because th- this is low-hanging fruit some of the stuff that he's been pulling off this is a grilled cheese and tomato soup meal okay mm. this is okay you, you make grilled cheese on the stove pretty simple and then you heat up a can of soup there's your meal soup and sandwich 
it's soup a meal. And a sandwich. Soup and a sandwich. Okay. How about like one of those uh one of those encore uh family size like Salisbury steaks? Would that be too <laughs> would that be too much? I mean they take like too an meaty. hour. Too meaty. Yeah. Too meaty? Too meaty. Okay. I mean if if Whit Merrifield comes aboard, then I'll then I'll give you the Salisbury steak, the lean cuisine, or, okay. or a Stouffer's lasagna family style. Oh, I'll you, give you that. Those are great. Yeah. Don't cut it. Don't try and eat it too quickly because you it'll be like molten lava going down your esophagus. <laughs> I love I love that you take a bite, realize that this is hot lava, and just power through it. And just you well, know, you could either spit it out, <laughs> or you could just you just swallow it and just let it burn everything inside. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, choices. let's get back on top. Choices, Pat. I think you what you wanted to do was segue into choices, and the Sox had some choices with uh, uh, their play-by-play guy. There were three of them in the running, mm-hmm. and we we were we put our uh, our money on Connor McKnight. That's who we wanted to see, just with his familiarity with the White Sox. I feel like he's been around Chicago. He's been around the team. So I thought I thought it was a very Sox way, you know. You know, I'm not saying that Connor McKnight was not necessarily qualified. I think he's got he'll probably even admit, you know, he's got a lot to learn in the play by play world. But that's the White Sox way. Right. You've been in the system yeah. and and we're going to kick you up uh, like they did with Chris Getz. Uh, but I like Connor McKnight. I think he does a nice job. It, it seems like he pairs well, uh, you know, with whoever he's with in the booth. And I think he's only going to get better once you feel comfortable because it's your gig. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever, you know, had that where you've maybe, you know, been in training or you're doing, you're you're just not, you don't feel it because it's not yours yet. It's not your job. And then once you get it, you kind of come into your own. So, and I thought that was going to happen with Connor. Anyway, Connor didn't get it. Uh, John Schriffen, uh, you're probably all aware of this. You've read the articles. You've heard about this guy. I don't know much about him, but boy, he's rocking the uh, the turtleneck and blazer. Did did you see his file photo? The the black the black turtleneck. Yeah. Is that look back? Is it ever left? I know well, Wilbon um, and PTI has been wearing it for like twenty years, but if that turtleneck blade, I like that look. I I kind of think I want to do that look just in social situations, out to dinner, turtleneck, big like kind of fisherman turtleneck in a, in a blazer. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest it in summer, but I mean, if you want to do that, I, I, you know what, Nick, maybe, um, what episode is this? 257, uh, maybe for our 300th episode, we never went out and had a nice big steak dinner. You and I to celebrate a milestone of some sort. Uh, but maybe we do that and we both wear, uh, some big old turtlenecks and, and, and a jacket like two gentlemen would wear. And they have a wonderful meal together. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, why not? Let's bring him back. Everything comes back, Nick. I like the look. I like the look. He's wearing it. Uh, That's wonderful. I'm not in the fashion world. I don't think that's a shocker to anybody that knows me. I thought maybe you moonlighted as as some type of in the fashion world type guy. Most of my my, uh, clothes are just stadium giveaway stuff. You know, You're wearing clothes from high school right now. You're wearing your high school sweatshirt. Uh, everybody's got stuff that they've held on to for like 30 years. It's still comfortable. You wear it around the house. Before you know it, it becomes like a regular thing. It happens. There you go. I, I'm, not, um, I'm not saying anything, but yeah, that's where your fashion's yeah. at. It's, uh... So uh, John Schriffen, uh, welcome to the South Side. Not a lot of baseball experience, Pat. It hasn't done a oh, lot. Oh, and of, why, would you, why would you need it? <laughs> 
Why would you need it? White sack Here, away. Here's the thing. And I don't, I'm not going to get a, uh, off on a tangent too much about it, but obviously for me personally, I was pulling for Connor McKnight, teammate of mine. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was hoping he would get it. And, and because of that, it would open up other opportunities for, for other folks within our organization. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, and, and it was talked about on, on the air this past week on Carmen New York. Carm said that Connor interviewed for the Tigers job. So, hmm. you know, he, yeah. he had an opportunity to leave as well. So there will be a time that Connor eventually gets a play by play gig. It, so that know, tells it, you that's what he wants. Yeah. It, not, not just a White Sox gig. He wants, he wants a play by play gig. And I don't want to speak for Connor. I, and maybe, you know, I'm wrong. Maybe he had an opportunity. He needed to take the interview because somebody asked him, but you know, eventually he's going to get a play-by-play gig somewhere because I, I feel like, you know, just from hearing that, it tells me that that's what he wants to do. So I, I was hoping he would get it. And it does frustrate me a little bit that you bring in a guy, again, seemingly with with, zero, with, with little, uh, you know, play-by-play experience in baseball. Not that, you know, baseball is probably not the hardest uh, game of all to to do play by play for I would imagine is it's slow you can you can fill in the blanks with some stories but boy oh boy is, is this just the Sox way like let's give a guy a, that has zero experience doing something an opportunity to do something I I just They've don't been do doing it. it I mean look at Pedro Grafol you know he never managed before in in Major League Baseball uh, we give him his first gig Chris Getz here, here's your first gig, sir, as GM ever. You know, would, would he ever get that role anywhere else uh, in all of baseball? Uh, and John Schriffen, who, you know, he's got he's got a resume. Uh, he seems like an affable guy. It, it sounded like uh, uh, there was a, a grand dinner between Stone and, and Reinsdorf, and everybody had a, a good time. Jokes were had. Uh, it was a lot of pleasantries and good chemistry. And that's ultimately what I want. I, I want there to be good chemistry between play by play and, and Steve stone. So I, I think, you know, it was slam ball was uh, Schriffen doing slam ball and XFL and some KBO and uh, maybe did a little bit of like MLB for ESPN, but he's never had like a team. Like this is his first, yeah. like, you know, this is my first gig is, you know, when I, when I was a teacher so many years ago, you know, and I, I would start out as a substitute teacher and I never really felt like, well, like, like I've got a home, like I have an actual teacher. It's like, well, I'm teaching, um, you know, but I, it was when I first got that first teaching gig and like my own classroom and everything, that's when you feel like you've kind of made it uh, as a teacher. So uh, he's, he's made it now in, in major league baseball. And this is some of the stuff he had to say, uh, uh, they, meaning I'm sure the White Sox, wanted to know, first off, my commitment. Uh, that was a big thing off the bat, Schriffen said. Obviously, I have a, a national platform with ESPN. They wanted to know what kind of commitment I was willing to make to the White Sox. And I said, I'm all in. If I'm the guy, I'm going to be all in. Uh, right now, I plan on calling the majority of the games. Uh, we don't have an exact number, but I I want to be the voice and face of the Chicago White Sox broadcast, and the goal is to be there throughout September. It was very clear, and that's something I talked with Jerry about very early on. Uh, whoever he hired, he wanted to make sure that that person, uh, this was going to be their main priority. Uh, and I said, I am very clear on that. Uh, that's the agreement we had very early on and during this process, and that's the understanding that we have. Uh, give some time 
Shriffin said, and I think you guys are going to enjoy what you see on TV. Uh, I'll disagree with that, Shriffin. Um, I might enjoy what I hear, but I will not enjoy what I see on TV, probably for another year or so. Anyway, um, is that a shot to Benetti a little bit? Like, was that kind of like a shot of, I don't want somebody that's going to be off doing a bunch of other things. I want somebody that's going to be a White Sox guy, no matter how big Benetti was. Yeah. I, I want a White Sox person. He wants, Jerry is very passionate from what I understand about the broadcast and how it sounds. And I think he wants it to sound a certain way. Um, you know, if you listen to Schriffen uh, in his, uh, the video that he, that was put out, I'm sure on social media, maybe a couple different ones, but you know, the, the, the people that he says he draws inspiration from, it was a lot of old time baseball broadcasters. And I think that's probably what sold him uh, to Jerry. Because Jerry is, you know, romanticizes baseball from way back when he was a, you know, a Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and that's what Jerry grew up knowing, and and the uh, nostalgic that that is of of people calling baseball. And I think Jerry has it in his way of how he wants the game to sound, and he wants to sound, you know, the way, you know, that maybe tugs at his heartstrings a little bit. So you think and, the interview is the the demo has to be done like Jerry's in like a in his office, like sitting crisscross on the floor with a little transistor radio, pretending like he's ten years old in Brooklyn, and Schriffen had to do a game like like you know he was being called on the transistor radio and yeah yeah. <laughs> now up is the whammo. The whammo is. <laughs> Two for three today, and the whamma whams. It what was this? Uh, what was the who? Who was who did the uh, was kind of the play by play and everything in uh, a league of their own? Was it Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley? I think you're right. I okay, think you're absolutely 100 percent correct. He had that old timey kind of shtick yeah. about him. Yeah, uh, even yeah. maybe Brockmeyer if you watch that program, which is kind of funny. So, yeah. um, so I, again, I, I think Jerry has a, a way he wants it to sound and the way he, and the way that it was presented by Jason Benetti was just probably not the way that he wanted the broadcast to, to, you know, again, go out to the masses or to go out to him. He just, it's just not his style and that's okay. It's your brand. It's your, it's your team. You want it to be, yeah. you know, broadcast a certain way. I get it. I understand that, but, um, I don't know. I, Question I'm, asked in the chat here, Pat. Uh, curious of how much what Jerry wants overlaps with what the fans want. Personally, it's Jerry's way or the highway, man. I mean, he talks a game of, oh, it to the fans, got to do this for the fans. <laughs> this is, it is Jerry all the way. He doesn't, he might be aware or someone might tell him in his collection of people of of what is trending in terms of fans i don't think he gives a rip um and you know what it's his dime his dance floor is the great uh, check copic would say uh so that it's just sad that he's just so out of tune just completely lost and everybody else that he's kept around into what the fans really want i don't i don't know if you had a, an opinion on uh, if you think there's an overlap or you just think it's jerry's way I, it's definitely Jerry's way. I, 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 I honestly, I don't think Jerry gives uh, a, a hoot about what you or and I say, and and that's fine. That's what people with lots of money usually sure. are like. 
they they really don't care about what you or I care about. They they have a business to run. They're going to run it the way they want to run it, and that's that is what it is. So that's what the what we have to deal with uh, as fans. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to switch to health, Pat, something you and I know, um, a little, little bit about not, not a lot. Um, I know how to, I know how to stay alive. <laughs> I know how to spell health. And it's, this is the time of year where we try to find a right fielder. We try to find a second baseman and we hear about a lot of white Sox players that are living their best life. They're mm-hmm. the healthiest they've ever been. They're all of a sudden cured of all these different uh, ailments and aches and pains and and everything is going great for them uh which is wonderful to hear but it, it's a little bit of an eye roll or more than an eye roll uh we had we had a, a collection of white Sox players had like a weird impromptu Sox fest at a gymnasium on the south side i don't know if you saw the picture of that i was okay. able to, to i was able to pinpoint benetti i couldn't figure anybody else out in that lineup uh, but there were a lot of opportunities for players to pop off on, you know, some quotes and things that are happening with them in the offseason. And uh, the, your usual suspects, Pat, uh, one, namely, uh, Loy Jimenez. And, mm-hmm. and this was, I think he did on A.J. Brzezinski's Fall Territory podcast, yeah. where, and this is just a, just a snippet of what he was talking about. Uh, if I'm healthy, I can hit more than 40 home runs. Um, so it, there's this already this like, sense of, well, if I, I don't even know if I will, <laughs> let's be honest, if, um, but have you ever played that game? You know, it's just as a every average human where you've said to yourself, Pat, if I'm the healthiest I could ever be, or if I'm healthy, like what, what's the thing that you would do? You know, like it, what's the what's the magnificent thing or or when at your healthiest, mm-hmm. what did you do that? Like now, since I'm healthy, I, I can do this. And I, don't wow, think I could run for this. five consecutive minutes, Nick. I think that would be great. <laughs> Just to be able to, uh, to, <laughs> and to survive. To I would and love to survive run. after that. <laughs> I would love to be able to do that. That'd be fantastic. I can walk. I'm not a, a cripple or anything like that, but boy, if I could just run Nick, that would be, that would be super. And, it, and it's interesting. You went the, the way of a lawyer. I happened to, I, I stopped Jesse Rogers the other day. I said, Jess, what, what is going on with the market for a lawyer? And, and really, I, I don't, ex, don't expect to trade for him. We talk about Dylan C's yeah. moved. And he said, you know, you're really, you're getting pennies on the dollar for Aloy Jimenez at this point. So there's no reason to, to hold your breath that you think that they're going to get rid of him. So he is going to be uh, your, your DH most likely for this team. And, and dare I say, you know, depending on what happens, he, he possibly could be your right fielder, which, you know, scares the living bejeebies out of me, but yeah, uh, yeah. Aloy Jimenez is going to be here next. So we have to hope that he is somewhat healthy and, and hope that he has a good first half because, um, you know, it, we've been waiting so long for, for one, the health, you know, and that's uh, a big question all the time, but the consistency too. And, and it, well, boy, if, if we could, and you could move off of him because I don't think it's sustainable, right? If you could move off of him by the trade deadline, if he had a fantastic first half, that's the dream. I, I would love. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be great because, you know, who, what playoff team isn't looking for some power going into the playoffs and, and finally going, oh, maybe this guy's really figured it out. He's kind of, 
he's he is in the best shape of his life and he is this and he is that and the potential is there and bring him on our team i would love that because i just don't see him uh staying healthy long enough to help our ball club for the foreseeable future yeah great great insight great points uh aloy jimenez was talked about early on it seemed like he was shopped around the milwaukee brewers and maybe some other teams i think either kicked the tires or there was some chatter about that and I mean, you know, we joke about it, but yeah, if you are healthy, you probably can do all that and more. But that's been the problem. If, if, if we haven't seen it, you haven't been able to do it consistently. And I can't believe any of this stuff. It's just more fun to just talk about, like, here goes Aloya Mendes again, talking about if he's healthy. We've seen this before. And I hope someone talked to him this offseason again and said, dear friend, you are not a right fielder. You want to be a right fielder. We can't have you be a right fielder. We want your valuable bat. You do have a ton of pop. If you can just stop hitting into double plays and ground balls and all that stuff. If we could elevate the ball and you could be roping the ball in the gap and over the fence and you can, yeah, but I think your shot at health is DH. Now, Aloy has gotten himself into some interesting injuries doing all kinds of things you know, running to first, namely. So anything can happen with this guy, but I, I want to see him healthy. I'd, I'd love to see what Aloy Jimenez could do healthy. I mean, we yeah. saw what Luis Robert Jr. was able to do healthy. How amazing was that? You know, I, I'd love to see if, if, if Aloy could play in 85% of the games, if not more. Wow. I, I'd love to see it. Uh, yeah. And I hope he, you know, proves all of us wrong. Uh, put up 45 home runs. That'd be wonderful. I would I would be curious because I, I did not um, I'd like to go back and, and see the interview uh, that he had with AJ on on the on the show. But I, I guess I'd ask, what have you been doing differently or what have you done differently to kind of prepare your body to be healthy for the season? Because if you continue to go into the season doing what you've been doing, um, I, I don't know what's going to change. I mean, it's been he, he he's he's he dropped weight last year. Right. That was the thing I was going to he's going to drop weight. Uh, but then the power kind of went with the drop of weight, right? And but the but the legs still never seem to be able to to keep up with the body. I, Can I? Would I be able to suggest? And I have probably no business suggesting this to a professional athlete, and maybe he does it already. But like yoga or flexibility, you know, kind of, I you know, something with your uh, your ligament, just stretching, you know, yeah. advanced stretching. Yeah, I've heard about the weight gain and the muscle and, and eating. Wasn't there some dietary stuff he was doing? He was off something and he was losing weight. I, I feel like I want to say that to a lot of Sox players. is like get on some sort of large rubber band exercise program. You know, with, get on like a hot yoga. You know, I, I need you flexible. I well, you. and we've talked about it on the show before. That, that was what Tom Brady has been doing for years. And and look how the large his, rubber bands. I think it was lots of rubber bands. Love it. Um, Great. Possibly large ones. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I do know that 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 was the, the main thing of TB12. I, the guy mm -hmm. was in fan. He still is in fantastic shape for his yep. age. And and a lot of the reason why he was able to be so durable and, and take the hits and the punishment that he did take for as long as he took was he was big on the flexibility of the body. It wasn't huge, about yeah. building yeah. the muscle on top of your body and, and weighing it down. It was about being flexible. And I think in baseball, 
that's even more important than anything else is, is how flexible you can be. You know be who run into a problem with that, Pat, was hmm. Giolito when he bulked yeah. up, when he put yeah. on all that weight, upper body weight. I just is like that. He he looks like a like a beast, but there's a lot of torque. There's a lot of whip. There's a lot of movement, especially when you are, you know, at full blast as a pitcher, you know, and, and you're just trying to, you know, out throw uh, everything all the time, max effort. You have to be flexible, man. And he did something to his oblique, uh, but then you got Lance Lynn. So I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, so I, yeah, that's a great question. It's like, what, what have you been doing? Uh, what, what have you thrown into the repertoire? What, what's new? Um, and I think we'd have to ask Yohan Mankata that too, Pat, a, a guy that you really enjoy and, and love. Um, Yohan Mankata, you know, living that healthy life. Uh, Mankata said he's uh, feeling good after being bothered by back issues last year. I'm motivated and excited because I'm healthy. Uh, if I'm healthy, I know I can do a lot of good things in the field. Uh, I think God has saved something good for me. Uh, hopefully, we are going to see that. Now, look, I love his glove. Uh, I've talked about it. I think mm -hmm. he should have been in, you know, gold glove conversation. You know, maybe not winning a gold glove, but he should be nominated. He should have been up there. Yes, it looks like he takes plays off. It looks like he loafs from time to time. But I also think he's what we have there at the hot corner. You got to realize the history of third baseman that we've had since, you know, maybe Joe Creedy, right? Yohan Makata has got a solid glove. He's got to be there focus all the time. It's the bat issue. And then it's the health issue, right? With the back and everything else. So when you hear a quote like this again, where does your mind go, Pat, as a fan? Well, I mean, I feel like I should talk to God too about this because if Yohan's <laughs> talking to him, I think I should say, yeah. Dear Lord, um, if you can keep Johan's back uh, in in serviceable uh, state, that'd be fantastic. Really would appreciate it. That'd be solid. So if that would be where I what I do first. Second, you know, again, I, I love it. I love that he's saying he's and feels great and if healthy and all the same things that everybody says. But again, what are you doing to to stay healthy? You know, it seems like. Yohan Mankata has been a guy that just continues to, I feel like he's bulked up so much and, he, and he's another guy that I would just like to say, you know, is that really beneficial for your back? Now, again, this is hilarious that uh, me that has zero sense of how to stay physically fit myself <laughs> is giving uh, professional athletes advice on how they should stay fit. I mean, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever said in my life, but one, I, I do know that, you know, bad backs can be debilitating. I mean, it's, it, and they can shorten careers. That's for sure. Um, I, I always think of Larry bird, Lord, uh, Lord Larry the, bird, yeah. Larry bird at the end of his career, just laying on the, on the court on, on the sideline uh, with a towel under his head because he just, he couldn't sit anymore. Yeah. So it, it, it's really sad about, you know, and, and the back is, I don't know, you have to strengthen it from what I understand. It's not like something that's going to just all of a sudden, uh, be cured. And, and they were talking yeah. about possible surgery for him last yeah. year, Nick. I don't, and he never got it. So is it going well, to be something that creeps up and comes back at any moment? It could just like, boom, bad back again. I, I had some, some nerves, lower back stuff years ago, a short amount of time, but I, I got some treatment 
PT, man, physical therapy. I speak highly of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, just the exercise, the treatment, and then, and then the exercises you continue to do, you know, now it's maintained and, and that there's a lot to that. And, and I, and mine was just kind of like a minor, like, Ooh, some, some sort of weird nerves in the lower back. And it was nagging me for a couple months and did all the, you know, all the exercises daily and all the kind of stuff. So you might be able to avoid surgery. I, I don't know his exact situation if he was doing these types of exercises and he got the treatments, but yeah, yeah it's like more muscle, more opportunities to strain. I, I, I don't know if he is healthy. Yeah. Wow. I would love to see a healthy Mankata. How amazing would that be? Uh, a healthy Robert, a healthy Aloy, and a healthy Mankata. I mean, <laughs> we say this every off season. Maybe, you know, but what is it going to get the Sox? What is it really going to do for them in 2024? You know, is it if just going to make right, Aloy expendable at the deadline? Yeah. If they're at their absolute best and reach their absolute, the, the ceilings that we'd all had envisioned for those, for those guys you just mentioned, you know, what does it do to a, a team that won? what 61 games what what what's the improvement in terms of of games what how can we quantify it i i really don't know but if they're the best they could possibly be you'd have to think it would add at least a i, I don't know 10 games is that crazy Maybe. i don't think it's crazy i i feel like the the lack of pitch starting pitching and i, and I don't know how that's going to go you know they're taking some flyers off some people i mean is I know Kopech's living his best life health-wise, so uh, who knows there. Yeah, all right. I, I uh, Oh, everybody is. Uh, if he brings back that Fu Manchu, I think Kopech could be unstoppable. <laughs> I think that is, a, that is a look that I think can just be menacing, um, and it's a mindset. Just mesmerize right? the, the hitter, and they'll just be lost in the Fu Manchu. Right. Boom. I, I, I don't know. Two, three, three, sit down. So uh, here we go to Andrew Benatendi because um, he's, you know, he's working on health. Uh, fo- he's focused on getting stronger this offseason, Pat, uh, lifting mm-hmm. a lot of weights, not just some weights, a lot of weights, yeah. uh, four or five times a week. Also eating a lot more. I like this uh, to put on a little bit more weight, which isn't always bad because it's fun to eat. That's a, a quote from. I can yeah, that's I my agree. kind of guy. I love it, especially during the holidays. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. when it's like turtle sweater neck, sweater the turtleneck sweater okay, weather. Sweater yeah. <laughs> Just hide all that stuff. Yeah. Hide all these uh layers, you know. All right. So um, he's gonna get fat. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be good. Love yeah. it. I, you know, whatever, whatever can um get him to hit eight home runs. Can we get eight home runs out of an Andrew Benatendi, do you think? I'm saying double digits. I think he's going to get 10 oh, home runs. I feel year. a bet. I feel a bet. I wonder what the over-under is on home runs. I think this is what, put, we put a meal on it. Uh, we put on a soup and salad, a soup and sandwich, where we can wear turtlenecks and blazers on a double-digit Benatendi. Uh, okay, run. Yeah. Think about Well, I mean, we do our bets closer to opening day but i feel like i will pencil that in as something to come back to all right andrew benatendi double digit home runs you heard it here first and good well Ten. maybe not i haven't listened to all the stocks podcasts uh currently <laughs> uh, whatever, so i can't say yeah, you heard i gotta, it here I gotta, first, I gotta catch up on get. that too yeah i think we're the only ones talking about it 
Um, <laughs> all right. Well, before we wrap up here, um, and it, it's been a spirited show, and I appreciate you for that and all the comments and folks jumping in. It, it, it means a ton. Uh, please continue to pass this uh, Sox podcast along to other Sox fans in your life, coworkers, friends, um, if you have any Sox fans in your life. Some people don't. <laughs> They're going to say if you, have any, if you do have any friends. Hey, that's tough too, man. I mean, sometimes it's just like you tell somebody you're a Sox fan and like everybody just vanishes on you. Um, just, so, just get up and leave. They grab their wives and leave. <laughs> we're all, you and I are crazy for doing this. Yes. And every other Sox fan that's that's in it and invested and has been listening, you're all crazy too. We're all crazy together. We got to just, you know, support each other. This is Sox therapy. So, so pass this along. Uh, you know, to other folks, Mark Burley survived the uh, the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I don't want to go on a huge. We've covered this a little bit. He survives another year. I don't know what do you have eight percent something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, has your has your thought on Burley as a Hall of Famer one day has it changed at all? Where, where do you stand right now here? Uh, well, I think I can't remember. I, I really don't think that he is a Hall of Famer. I, I mean, he's Ever. He's, he's a legend for us, Nick. But I can't sit there and go, you know, just thinking back on his career and think Hall of Famer. Now, he's done a lot of great things with, you know, less stuff than a lot of guys that have played in, in this league, right? That we talk about all the time, well, this guy's got great stuff and he just can never figure it out. But the, Let's take Michael Kopak. We just talked about him. All the talent and stuff in the world. And, and to this point, because of health and because of what's going on between the years, just hasn't been able to figure it out. Then you take a guy that's throwing, you know, in the low 90s with all he has is a fastball and a cutter, basically, and a changeup, and was able to do the things that he did. Now, that is that is like out kicking your coverage. What he Cunningham did. Guile. It, it, yes. It's almost amazing to think about what he did in his career and for as long as he did it and how productive he was as a pitcher. Um, but I, I just can't say, you know, I can't look at him and say, his, in my heart of hearts, say uh, Hall of Famer. Hall, uh, White Sox Hall of Famer, Ring of Honor guy, statue-worthy guy, which he is, Jersey retirement guy. Yeah, all those things for us. For us, he is. That's fantastic. Celebrate Mark Burley. But... You know, but then again, the the Hall of Fame has been watered down so much. The voting is so re beyond ridiculous anymore. And guys just getting in because they didn't use performance enhancing drugs is it's almost laughable now. And mm -hmm. and people not even people that are voting that that haven't been base. I heard this on the air this week that haven't been baseball writers in years get to yeah. vote for for sure. this. You know, guys that are covering the Olympics, but they used to cover baseball. And years maybe ago. voting out of spite, voting against people or not for people just because of how they were in the media and all this other stuff. That was a knock against Dick Allen for so many years, yeah. which is just an absolute atrocity. Uh, just horrible. I mean, Dick Allen should be in the Hall of Fame without question. Um, I get that. I totally respect that. Um I think one day that there, there'll be, if he can stick around and, you know, there's all these different committees, man, there's like a golden committee and a veteran honor committee and a, you know, a triple, there, there's strange yeah. committees that 
I think one day he's going to get to a committee during a, with a different generation of voters and they're going to look at, you know, his durability, his 200 plus innings for so many years in a row, the gold gloves. Uh, they're going to look at like how he almost, I don't know, kind of changed the game in a way with how quick he pitched. I know that's a weird intangible that makes people uncomfortable because you can't really factor it maybe in, into war and all this other stuff that's, you know, black and white that we hold so sacred these days. Um, you know, obviously the the perfect game, the no hitter and all stars, uh, all star appearances in the World Series never really got into the Cy Young conversation and was never like that dominant, you know, uh, touching 300 wins type of thing. But, you know, 300 wins is no one's going to get around there. That's no. not how pitchers are measured anymore. It's like if you can go four or five, wow, you're like an all-star pitcher these days. Yeah. So I think eventually if it, how if he could stick around and he gets to one of those committees, I think one day down the line, years from now, I think he gets in. I and I I would love to see it. I just again, you you think about people that are Hall of Famers, and you think about guys. You know, there's thing about a guy that's not in. You think of Roger Clemens, regardless of well the way you think about him or the way that maybe he used performance enhancing drugs and, and and lied about it and jerk or whatever he was. But when you think about you and I as growing up watching a guy like Roger Clemens pitch, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Right. You think about the dominant pitchers that Pedro, you know, when he was pitching and doing his thing. I just don't see Mark Burley being on the same level as those types of guys. And that's the way I judge it and view it. I get that. Um, I think the Hall of Fame is large enough for different types of pitchers, you mm -hmm. know, not just one mold like this is like there's only there's not just one way to do it. And Mark Burley was just cut in a different way. And yeah. You know, so I think if the Sox were a bit more successful during his career, maybe we were on the national spotlight a little bit in the postseason more often, it might have been a different story, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and did you but, see MC21's uh, uh, little check in there? That's for you, Nick. Uh, that's the that's the uh, the uh, first base coach tonight. <laughs> yeah, he said MC21. I hear first base coach committee is pushing for Daryl Boston, and that's a great way to wrap up the show, right there. That's fantastic. Oh, Daryl Boston, wherever you are, um, Pat, this is a, a real treat. Uh, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, I feel better. I feel better already talking White Sox with you. And you're staying true to yourself and, and looking for all the positives you can. You're holding on to that New Year's resolution, Nick, to be yeah. useful positive as humanly possible is great i say we do it again next week and we'll have to figure out what we're doing for super bowl sunday buddy yeah i, I don't think uh super bowl sunday will be at the same time um there's you know that that game kind of um you can do it at halftime halftime's like an hour that's not a bad idea that's not a bad idea we're gonna have to talk about uh, how we're gonna do that but yeah we'll definitely be back same time uh next sunday but uh folks thank you so very much for jumping in uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find the audio absolutely everywhere. Ascri uh, subscribe there too. Give it a, a high rating. We would appreciate that. Helps other Sox fans uh, find us. Uh, we're on Twitter X at Good Guys TV. Got a Facebook fan page for Pat Hester. I am Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sox.